This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Political parties in Malaysia can be very confusing. We have a lot of them. From UMNO to PAS to PKR to DAP to newer ones like Amana and Persatu to toddlers like Muda and Perjuang. But what do we know about these parties besides their famous names that are at the helm? What do we know about their ideological leanings, particularly when we're talking about economic ideologies? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is O.A. Sun. He's a senior fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. And we're going to be taking a look at the history and ideologies of the few mainstream parties in Peninsula Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Asan. Now, AMNO is a party that has the richest history in Malaysia. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to use it as sort of a springboard for this conversation. Now, AMNO was formed even prior to independence. Perhaps you can tell me about why AMNO was formed in the first place and how the party changed its approach um, following the May 13, 1969 racial riots. Hey, thank you very much. Well, uh, after the Second World War, there was this uh, worldwide, uh, shall we say, a wave of uh, nationalism, whereby a lot of uh, colonies of uh, Western powers, they would like to uh, obtain independence. So you could perhaps uh, look at uh, AMNO from that uh, perspective. It was formed in uh, 1946. Uh, and then uh, it was trying to uh, achieve, uh, for example, independence uh, for Malaya. But from the very beginning, uh, I think AMNO uh, defined its uh, brand of uh, nationalism as that of, uh, well, nowadays we call it three R's, namely race religion and royalty. And these three pillars are very uh, crucial in AMNO's uh, ideologies. Namely, they would like to preserve uh, the special status of the Malays and uh, uh, of uh, Islam as well as the uh, royal families from the various uh, Malay uh, states. So that uh, carried them through uh, to uh, independence, they were able to uh, obtain the support of uh, a lot of uh, Malays. Uh, at the beginning, the, uh, they, they were uh, in addition to, uh, for example, the rural Malays, they were also quite a number of professional uh, Malays, such as uh, teachers and clerks and various other uh, in the urban area who supported uh, AMNO. And uh, when AMNO combined with uh, MCA, MIC and so on, it uh, led to the independence of the uh, country. Um, I, I'm not so sure about uh, whether there's a change in AMNO's ideology after the 1969, mm. I think the May 13th uh, incident, I think it's uh, more like uh, AMNO becoming uh, even more stringent in uh, trying to uh, impose uh, its uh, version of, uh, of uh, what has come to be called uh, Malay supremacy on the various other communities uh, in the country. And it became much more strident in doing so, especially when it has been, as you say, at the helm of uh, uh, the, 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 the ruling powers of Malaysia ever since uh, the 1957 independence for Malaya. Yeah. 
then talk to me about PAS because uh, as I understand the origins of you know PAS, which is uh, you know the, its entire brand is that it's an Islamic party. Um, originally, it also has ties to AMNO, right? Uh, yes, I think a substantial number of uh, pastors, uh, founding uh, leaders, if not members, actually uh, split away from uh, AMNO. They were not uh, agreeable to uh, AMNO's uh, several t- political strategies, such as uh, the teaming up together with uh, MCA and MIC uh, in order to present a united front uh, to the British to try to uh, fight for independence from Malaya. And uh, also, I think uh, there were elements uh, within Amno then who would like to see a more prominent uh, role for religion among the three R's of uh, Amno's uh, policies, uh, I mean, sorry, Amno's uh, ideologies. So this group of, uh, shall we say, dissidents, uh, they broke away from Amno and formed a party uh, Islam Sertana Melayu, or in short form, uh, PAS. And uh, it, it is also very curious to observe that uh, uh, among the earlier leaders of PAS, some actually even toy with the idea of, uh, for example, combining uh, religion with some form of socialism, although, of course, not communism, which for PAS is right. a no-no. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I think it must be its first uh, president, Dr. Baharudin, and so on. They were actually uh, proposing ideas such as uh, welfare states and, and so on, in addition to the uh, sort of uh, Islamic uh, pursuit. So, yeah, I mean, all these uh, parties, they evolve over time. So that's so something you brought up is very interesting, where you, you talked about how past... Um, you know, on top of its, you know, Islamic um, ideologies, they were also leaning towards um, socialist um, ideologies, which, um, you know, talks about, you know, how they want the economy of the country to be structured. So in com- contrast to that, was Amno more of a capitalist uh, sort of party? Well, once you're in power for sufficient... Uh you know, long, sufficiently long time, uh, inevitably you would uh, you know, mix around with more of the business communities. And because you are in charge of the country, you're also in a position to, uh, in, a sta- in a sense, uh, distribute uh, the, the various uh, economic uh, pies or cakes and, and so on. So, yeah, uh, eventually AMNO became uh, much more entrenched uh, with the, shall we say, business power that be uh, in the in the country. But uh, if we go back to, let's say, 1970s, uh, mm-hmm. it was also a very interesting uh, period because uh, you know, on the world stage, uh, you have the Soviet Union and the United States uh, vying for uh, supremacy. But then there were also the, all these uh, different uh, power struggles in the Middle East, which uh, also had uh, somewhat of an ideological influence on uh, Malaysian politics. The rise of, uh, uh, I think, what came to be called uh, the Malay Muslim supremacy uh, also started uh, then. Uh, in, in that sense, I, uh, I think both PAS and uh, AMNO they are advocating uh, Malay supremacy for the country, just that for AMNO, the emphasis is more on Malay, and for PAS, the emphasis is more on Muslim. But still, both are advocating uh, Muslim 
Malay or Malay Muslim supremacy for the country. Yeah. Right. So this is where things get interesting because, you know, PAS has had its roots in UMNO, but over the years, um, the parties just grew apart and eventually they sort of became um, mortal enemies, um, shall we say, in the political landscape. In fact, for quite some time, PAS even teamed up with PKR and DAP to form um, Pakatan Rakyat. So why were Amno and PAS on opposite, uh, opposite teams at this point? You know, was uh, PAS teaming up with PKR and DAP, you know, coming together, Pakatan Rakyat, was it more of an ideological, maybe economic, um, you know, economically speaking, ideological, they found similarities and they thought, okay, um, we want, you know, to push the country in that direction or was it just pure strategy? Well, I suspect it's more like political convenience. Right. Um, well, <laughs> if you look at, for example, ideologically, uh, socialism and communism, they are also very similar, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one, it's uh, perhaps a, a, a further degree from the other. But still, you know, it's socialist parties and communist parties sometimes don't get uh, along. So similarly for PAS and uh, AMNO, I think uh, the 1970s, the Islamic uh, uh, revolution in uh, Iran uh, was also sort of uh, a dividing uh, moment because after that, uh, there's a worldwide uh, uh, so-called Islamic revival or the rise of political Islam. So using the, the religion to, uh, in, a, in, in a sense uh, as a way uh, for politics or politics for as a way for the uh, propagation of the religion has come to the uh, has come to prominence, and uh, Amno was indeed very worried that uh, Pass was riding this uh, Islamic revival uh, wave and would uh, you know at some point maybe even unseating Amno from its. Uh, ruling the position. So the two parties uh, competed uh, in a lot of primarily rural constituencies and uh, surprisingly passed, uh, you know, won a lot of those seats and made a lot of uh, inroads uh, and, and so on. Uh, but Amnot uh, uh, or Dr. Mahathir in particular recruited uh, at that time a very prominent uh, uh, activists uh, with uh, strong Islamic credentials, namely Anwar Ibrahim, <laughs> and un- yeah, and under Anwar Ibrahim, the well, uh, Pass and Amno was actually well, they were actually in a sense uh, competing with each other to see which party is more Islamic. With uh, Anwar as education ministers uh, introducing a lot of uh, Islamization policy, both within the government as well as in the wider uh, society, in order to uh, to be able to to claim that you know they could outperform uh, pass in terms of uh, the religious credentials. So the, by 1990s, uh, I think this sort of policy became the quite successful and pass was uh, on the retreat but of course very ironically uh, anwar you know was fired by dr mahathir and his uh, pkr and uh, pass and dap and so on came together in some sort of uh, alliance of convenience uh, in order again to present a united opposition front against uh, barisan national dominated by amno yeah hmm. Before we talk about where we are today with Amno and PAS now on the same side um, again, 
let's talk about some of the other teams in the battle. You mentioned Anwar, right? So Anwar and his party PKR were the ones who started the reformasi movement in, in a big way against the old guard um, Barisan National. This came, um, you know, in the late 90s, 1998, 1999 onwards. Talk to me about this, the uh, reformasi movement, um, Anwar's, um, you know, sacking from AMNO, um, him starting PKR. Um, talk to me about the, the, the start of this movement and its impact um, it has had on our political landscape. Well, Anwar, of course, uh, enjoyed uh, quite a large uh, degree of support uh, among the Malay communities uh, then. But the non-Malays, uh, frankly speaking, did not quite like him because he introduced a lot of those uh, Islamization policy, which you know, directly or indirectly would impinge upon some what they perceive to be their rights as well. But uh, by 1998, when Anwar was fired by Dr. Mahathir, I think a lot of people across racial and religious divide, they felt that, well, if somebody who, who was uh, just a few days ago so prominent could be struck down uh, you know, in such a spectacular way by the power that be, then what more, you know, myself or my family as uh, basically nobody in this country, right? So you saw people uh, uh, going to the streets uh, across, again, racial and religious lines, supporting Anwar and his uh, reformacy movements. I mean, uh, a prominent reformacy leader, of course, is Tian Chua, right? And Tian Chua is no Malay, he's Chinese. <laughs> so uh, I think at some point, Anwar realized that in order to uh, sort of uh, coalesce this uh, strong uh, support for for himself, he will have to form a party that is uh, not only, uh, you know, Malay-centric, but it's a multiracial country. Granted, uh, it is still, in a sense... uh, you know, Malay dominated because most members are Malays, but it's a multiracial uh, party. And that's why PKR, Parti Keadilan Rakyat, uh, was born uh, with, uh, at that time at least, refreshingly multiracial uh, outlook. Yeah. Hmm. Has Anwar, you know, in your opinion, has he, has, you know, the struggle, the, the teaming up with DAP, which we will get get to DAP in particular in just a second. But has his teaming up uh, with DAP um, struggling together over the years um, changed him personally, um, ideologically? Or is it still a matter of political convenience and what is right um, strategy-wise? Well, of course, uh, Anwar had uh, his uh, run-ins with the power that even back when he was an activist in the 1970s. I mean, he was an ISA detainee, right? Mm -hmm. Even though later on he wrote to political prominence. And I think that experience of having to to be detained in some sort of, uh, you know, camps with people from various racial backgrounds, I think that actually gave him the sort of the grounding for his uh, later uh, more multiracial uh, outlook, and let us not forget uh, the the the, the uh, cooperation between the PKR and DAP has always been a very fruitful one. I mean, for the past uh, more than twenty years, right? They each uh, sort of uh, assisted each other to 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 uh, achieve uh, electoral uh, victories. 
I mean, they, they, they came from 2008 and then 2013 and then 2018, even forming the government together with comparable numbers of, uh, of uh, seats. So I, I, I think that because it has been a very fruitful uh, cooperation uh, experience. So I think uh, it made uh, both parties as well as their leaders are uh, very comfortable in working with each other. Yeah. Hmm. In the 1999 general elections, PKR teamed up with DAP. Um, they've been fighting for a very, very long time together. Um, their renewed sort of um, prominence as a, as a coalition started in 2008 and now you know, it's taken to a whole different level in 2018, um, so on and so forth. Um, talk to me about the origins though of, of DAP and what was it in it for them um, why did they decide to partner up with PKR um, all those years ago? You might remember the Singapore's uh, PAP. Uh, <laughs> at one point in the early 1960s, uh, well, in, in, uh, Singapore was uh, part and parcel of Malaysia, right, from 1963 to 1965. So PAP extended into uh, Malaya and uh, they even won a parliamentary seat in uh, Bangsar. And the member of parliament was uh, Devan Nail, who later on became Singapore's uh, president. <laughs> then, uh, and, and, and Kit, or Kit Siang, was uh, Devan Nail's uh, political secretary. And uh, upon Singapore's departure from uh, Malaya, well, you have this uh, bunch of uh, PAP uh, members uh, in, in Malaysia, right? I mean, what should they do? So they quickly regrouped themselves and formed uh, DAP. So again, uh, they had, uh, from the very beginning, they had uh, perhaps not socialist, but at least so-called social democratic uh, ideals, such as, uh, you know, the, this idea of Malaysia for Malaysians, right? Uh, that uh, irrespective for race, religion, or well, since I'm from Sabah regions and so on, uh, you know, we should all come together as uh, Malaysians and uh, live uh, equally and uh, be hardworking to build up this country. So that has always been a very strong uh, sort of uh, ideological belief uh, for uh, DAP and it has uh, very seldom uh, deviated from, from that, even though, frankly speaking, because of the the fact that the majority in the Malay majority are still very conservative-minded, not ready to accept the idea of multiculturalism and, and so on. So DAP from time to time would tweak uh, some of its uh, uh, political messaging, but its uh, ultimate, uh, I think, ideological uh, ideals is still, you know, uh, this uh, idea of Malaysia for Malaysians, yeah. So in 2021, are DAP and PKR ideologically similar in that sense? And if yes, why do both of these parties need to exist? Well, the, they are ideologically quite similar indeed, and uh, they work well uh, together and so on. Sometimes... Uh, you know, just like in uh, Germany, for example, uh, you have the Christian Democratic Union, which is the ruling party. But uh, let's say in the, in the state of Bavaria, 
there was, there's no CDU, there's only CSU, the Christian Socialist uh, Union. But uh, nationally, they work together as a CDU, CSU union and so on. So, well, sometimes for historical reasons, uh, you would uh, you, you, you would have two different parties, but still working uh, together because, uh, well, they have uh, their respective traditional supporters uh, base who would uh, like to cling on to their party uh, identity. But it's a blessing that they could uh, work together relatively well, almost uh, hand in glove. Uh, like in the PKR, for example, you would have uh, a lot of these uh, reformacy uh, era supporters who would be diehard supporters of Anwar uh, Ibrahim. Whereas uh, in DAP, you have uh, many who are nostalgic about uh, Kitsiang, right? Uh, then if these two parties come together, then who is going to be the party president, for <laughs> example, right? Then the Kitsiang supporters may not be happy if Anwar is the president or vice versa, right? So to, in, in, in that sense, uh, you still remain your party identities, but uh, you work uh, very closely together here. Right. On the show with me today is O.A. Sun. He's a senior fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. After the break, I'll be asking him what the difference is between Amno Bersatu and Perjuang. We'll be back with more on Today I Learned BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is O.A. Sun. He's a senior fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. And we're talking about the various political parties in Malaysia as well as their ideological leanings. Now, Asan, these days, past is seen by many quarters in the country um, as the Islamic, perhaps extremist party. What they're known for, ideologically speaking, is they, that they want to strengthen Sharia laws. They no longer um, talk about socialist um, economic ideologies and, and things like that. But this is also a shift, right, from, from their roots, like, like you mentioned. Talk to me about the difference then between past back in the day and past today. Well, every political party will go through their different uh, historic and ideological stages. Mm -hmm. As we said, uh, at the very beginning, uh, past uh, senior leaders, uh, they sort of toy with the idea of uh, becoming slightly more socialist and so on. Mainly because, you know, the country was uh, poor at that time and people would need help. And then uh, in the 1980s and 90s, uh, once again, past became very uh, strident in terms of uh, promoting its uh, religious uh, credentials, uh, wanting to impose uh, a lot of this, uh, uh, shall we say, more stringent aspects of uh, the religious laws, uh, not only on Muslims, but also uh, by extension uh, to, you know, for the whole country, right? And then, uh, and then there was uh, Nick Aziz, uh, who was a very moderating figure for the party, and, uh, well, Nick Aziz uh, brought uh, the party to work together with DAP and with uh, PKR. And that was another stretch of, uh, shall we say, around for around 15 years of uh, moderation period for past, where they uh, explicitly talk about uh, 
you know, Islamic uh, credentials uh, compatible with the idea of a welfare state. After all, we all want to help the people to improve their livelihood and so on, which uh, struck a resonance uh, beyond the Muslim community. I mean, the... I don't know whether you witness such things. I remember seeing during the 2013 general elections, uh, you know, the past supporters, PKR and DAP supporters, they really help each other out. Right. And then uh, and then during those uh, street protests, uh, past uh, had the most disciplined uh, sort of, uh, you know, order keeping the sort of squads, right? And they were helping the Chinese and the non-Malays uh, to... To, to, to avoid all these tear gas and, and so on. So they worked very, very well uh, together uh, at, at that time. But I think what happened was, uh, well, at least partially what happened was uh, with uh, the passing of uh, Nick Aziz, you saw the rise in past of two forces. Number one, uh, it's uh, perhaps uh, those uh, veterans, uh, those veterans in past uh, who are more religiously oriented, uh, and uh, to put it even more bluntly, more fundamentalist uh, oriented, but uh, also the rise of the youth wings of uh, past, uh, which is uh, also similarly very religiously strident, because uh, uh, I think quite a number of them were educated in uh, Pakistan, in, uh, in Egypt, and various other places where such fundamentalism uh, was uh, at, the, at the rise. So these two forces, uh, very ironically speaking, the very old and the very young, <laughs> they came together to dominate the ideological discourse in past. And this happened, I think, since, let's say, around 2015, and it has persisted uh, until now, such that uh, the more fundamentalist uh, uh, aspects of the religion has come to uh, you know, do- dominate the ideological discourse in past. And is this what contributed to the split in uh, Pakatan Rakyat, um, which was, again, a DAP, um, Keadilan and PAS, um, PAS left the coalition? And what we, we still have an Islamic um, party as part of the coalition, and, and that's Amana, led by the likes of Mat Sabu. We have Dr. Zul there, um, you know, Khalid Samad, and, and various, various other prominent figures. Um, more, they are known uh, among, the, uh, you know, among the electorate as the more progressive uh, Muslim party. Um, is that what contributed to the, to the rise of Amana and Amana joining um, now what is known as Pakatan Harapan? Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, Pass, uh, you know, after having been dominated by, as I said, the very old and the very young, they became increasingly uncomfortable with the more multicultural outlook of, uh, at that time, I think it's called Pakatan Rakyat. So they uh, drifted uh, further and further away from Pakatan Rakyat and uh, becoming uh, instead uh, more and more chummy with uh, Amno. But that in turn uh, made, uh, shall we say, the professional uh, faction or what I actually would call the middle-aged uh, faction <laughs> as, uh, very uncomfortable because the very old and the very young teaming up the, trying to squeeze uh, this middle-aged or the more professional faction uh, uh, from uh, the party's uh, leadership. That's why you saw people like uh, Mat Sabu, people like uh, Dr. Zhu and so on. Uh, they are in their typically... F- uh, 40, 50s, or at most 60s. 
And then, the, you know, like Dr. Zhu, it's a PhD holder and so on. They finally decided to break away from past and form Amana. And they found that the, their experience with uh, uh, Pakatan Rakyat was a very fruitful one. So they joined Pakatan, well, at that time it's called Pakatan Harapan then. And when and and won the general election in uh, 2018, yeah. Mm. And after that, um, after GE14, um, Amno and Pass, you know, they came together, um, to you know, and decided, you know, let's join forces, and then they formed Muafakat National. How did these two parties go from mortal enemies? Um, we talked about how you know they used to compete. Um, you know, very vigorously in 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 especially the rural Malay heartland, um, in many of those constituencies and and pass. You know, they came out stronger over the years and and you know defeated Amno, pass holds Klantan and Trenggano now so on and so forth. How did they go from that to now? You know, seemingly being you know comrades. Well, I I think it's a combination of uh, political expediency, primarily on the UMNO part, and, uh, uh, and also, the surprisingly, resilience, uh, uh, primarily on the uh, PASA part. And I will explain that. I think uh, by uh, around 2013, UMNO realized that, uh, you know, it really uh, needs to consolidate uh, the Malay support uh, in order to uh, still be, uh, become the ruling party after the next uh, general election. And uh, from past uh, perspective, as I said, they, they came to be dominated by the more fundamentalist uh, factions, the very old and the very young. Um, so the, Amno was uh, willing to uh, sort of uh, accept the uh, past because it thought that past could bring with uh, past uh, the vast uh, numbers of uh, rural uh, supporters. So, so on that part is political uh, expediency. Now, why would I say is resilience on pass, passes part, uh, part? That is because uh, pass is actually a very far-sighted uh, party. It is willing to uh, concede. Uh, uh, for the moment, uh, for example, political powers and so on. If you let it, uh, if you let pass, uh, for example, handle the more uh, social aspects of the administration. If you, for example, pass laws which are, you know, promoting uh, religion uh, more, uh, then pass is convinced that uh, in the long run. And uh, when we talk about long run, we are talking about 10, 20, even 30, 50 years. The country will become more and more religious in its outlook. And for PAS, by that time, uh, people would uh, flock to join PAS and not to any other uh, party, be it AMNO or PKR or others. Uh, the, the, the idea was this. The strategy was PAS uh, would come out as a candidate in various uh, Malay-dominated constituencies such that PAS would split the opposition's votes and thereby AMNO could squeeze by. But, uh, well, PAS's uh, appeal became so strong that in the 2018 general election, instead of siphoning away uh, opposition votes, PAS uh, siphoned away votes from AMNO such that it was uh, PKR or AMANA which are squeezed through in a number of constituencies with very slim uh, margin. 
so after the electoral defeat in 2018, Pass and Arnold uh, they regrouped and they thought that that was a wrong strategy. So instead, they they came out with this idea of Mafakat National, such that uh, in future elections in each uh, constituency, primarily Malay. Uh, Malay majority constituency, you would see either a pass or AMNO candidate, and the other party would, uh, you know, try the best to to help that candidate to win, such that either AMNO or pass would win in the particular constituency. Yeah. Um, to Dr. Mahade, let let's um, you know circle back to him because he um, heading into GE fourteen, he started Bersatu. Um, Bersatu was essentially um, there were new people. There are new people. There were new people um, yeah, recruited into the party and all of that. But essentially, there were a lot of Amno people. Um, Tun Dr. Made was from Amno. You have the likes of Muhyiddin also from Amno. So essentially, it was a splinter party of Amno. And then Bersatu, after the you know after two years, we know the story. You know, Lanka Sheraton happened. Bersatu left, and now Bersatu is uh, essentially in cahoots with you know, Barisan National, and now uh, together with PASS and all of that. So then, uh, Mahade has now decided, you know, he needs to start another um, Malay-based um, party, um, a splinter of a splinter, if you will, and it's called Perjuang. When you yeah. put yourself in the shoes of a Malay voter in these con- constituencies in the Malay heartland, what do you think they are, they are may basing their decision of? Like, what's the difference between Bersatu, Amno, Perjuang, and and imagine in the next elections if we have all three of uh, these parties competing in a constituency, and maybe even like someone else like PKR or Amana, you know, co- competing as well. Um, how do they make their decision as a voter? What what's the difference? <laughs> well, of course, it's a big salad bowl of uh, of parties, right? <laughs> Um, and, and, and let us not forget, uh, even Warisan might also toss itself right. uh, into the into the <laughs> salad bowl. Um, I, I, I think when uh, Dr. Mahathir uh, split from uh, Amno, he being Dr. Mahathir is always a very, uh, shall we say, pragmatic uh, politician. You know, he would say what he thinks, right? I mean, well, in most circumstances. <laughs> so I, I think uh, for him uh, at that point, uh, he thought that in order to put up a very good fight uh, against uh, AMNO, the AMNO juggernaut, you still need a party uh, which is uh, still uh, Malay-centric. That's why he formed uh, Bersatu. Um, but uh, at the very same time, you might remember... Uh, you know, both uh, Muhyiddin Yassin and also Shafi Abdal were also fired from uh, the Amno cabinet, right. right? And Muhyiddin was deputy prime minister at the time. So Muhyiddin decided to join Dr. Mahathir in uh, Bersatu. But, uh, well, Shafi Abdal had his, uh, shall we call it, Anwar moment. Namely, he thought that, well, I would also like to form my own party, but uh, I just like PKR, it would be a multi-racial uh, party. Huh? And, uh, he, and he went ahead to form uh, Warisan, which is multi-racial. I'm particularly um, you know, happy to, to see, uh, you see, after the 2018 general election when they won, right? You know, Warisan, I mean, Warisan uh, was uh, 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 afforded uh, three ministries. And uh, sure enough, Shafi appointed one minister who was, uh, who was Muslim, one minister who was uh, 
native but uh, Christian, and then one Chinese to the cabinet uh, to just to make sure to make a point that his party is a multi-racial uh, one. Uh, then, uh, of course, um, you know, it, we, within the new government, uh, the tension was mainly between Dr. Mahathir and Anwar. Uh, Ibrahim, right? And also they they realized uh, in 2018, as we said just now, PASS was splitting UMNO's uh, votes. But if you combine UMNO's votes and PASS's votes in the Malay community, you will see them, they actually obtained just between the two parties, uh, 77% of Malay votes. Right. So the, I think there were elements in uh, Dr. Mahathir's uh, Basatu then uh, people such as uh, Muhyiddin, they were not very comfortable about the electoral prospects of uh, of Basatu in in future general elections. Assuming you know there's Mafakat National, there will be one to one fight and and so on. So uh, you know they 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 were actually I think at that point still searching for some sort of political uh, positioning. And by the Sheraton move, they saw that uh, there was an opening and they jumped at it. Uh, I was surprised that Dr. Mahathir did not also jump at it. Yeah. Now, political parties aren't just supposed to be champions of social causes, right? Especially when, you know, the social causes are very narrow. Um, as we see in Malaysia, it's just race and religion and, and nothing more. At their core, right, political parties are supposed to have different economic ideologies. If you take New Zealand, for instance, which has a multi-party system, almost like ours, there you can pretty much almost um, line up the main mainstream parties from the most left to the most right. You have the Green Party, which is a, sm- a fairly small party, um, super left uh, with a focus on green e- economic policies, ecological wisdom, etc. Then you have the most popular party right now, um, which is the Labour Party, which is led by Jacinda Ardern. They are social democrats. They are centre-left. Then you also have the National Party, which is centre-right. Um, they are slightly more pro-market economy and, and low, uh, and, you know, they want the, the taxes to be lowered and things like that. Then we have the ACT, which is the far-right party um, that is in polar opposites to the, to the Green Party. And they are also as small um, in terms of number of representatives in Parliament as, as the Green Party. But that's the New Zealand. Can we actually do the same with our political parties in Malaysia? Or is it just a case of a bunch of parties um, that are ideologically, especially when we talk about economic ideologies, all of them are just smack in the centre. They are pro-market, but they are also not you know, very uh, averse to giving up social safety nets to the people. But with that in mind, are, are we in essence, you know, are we, are we as a nation essentially just voting based on corruption scandals and personalities and, and race and religion? Well, of course, I would have to tend to agree with your uh, in our last uh, few uh, assertions hmm. uh, because the political discourse in this country is still very much uh, race and religiously uh, centric. And also uh, personality uh, worship, it's also a big idea. Because uh, if you look at, uh, for example, some of these uh, smaller splinter parties, right? I mean, what is Perjuang? 
One is Pajuang Vifa, Dr. Mahathil. One is Muda, let's say. Yeah? And this is counted as the, you know, like the party of the future and so on, right? <laughs> right. But what is Muda if not for, let's say, uh, Said Sadiq, right? And uh, actually, some other parties are, are actually, shall we say, uh, slightly more nuanced. Uh, let's say Amana. Uh, if today it's not led by uh, Mat Sabu, I think it will still survive, right? Let's say it's uh, led by Dr. Zhu and, and so on. So you have uh, some of these parties which are not quite personality-driven, uh, but of course, uh, very, very often they are relegated to the political fringe. So the, in that sense, uh, I think we it will be some years to come before uh, this country uh, could uh, sort of dilute uh, all these uh, religious and racial and personality discourse and, uh, you know, graduate uh, to more, shall we say, social economically inspired uh, uh, discourse or, or differences. Uh, um, at, at the moment, I really don't see how these parties are situating themselves at the either spectrums of uh, social economic, uh, you know, the social economic discourse. Yeah. On that note, Asan, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Thank you very much indeed. I've been speaking with O. Asan. He's a senior fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. He's also a regular political commentator. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.